Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everybody. I'm Dr. Andrew Sheehan from the San Antonio Military Medical Center. Today, I'm talking to uh, the immediate past president of the Arthroscopy Association of North America, Dr. Lewis McIntyre. Dr. McIntyre's paper entitled Patient Reported Outcomes After Use of a Bioabsorbable Collagen Implant to Treat Partial and Full Thickness Rotator Cuff Tears was just published in the August edition of the Arthroscopy Journal. Dr. McIntyre, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining me. Thanks very much, Andy. It's great to be here. I think the podcasts are another great innovation of the uh, of the uh, journal uh, that add a lot of value uh, to the uh, membership and to the readership. Also, I think they're very, very innovative and uh, done a, done one of them already. And I look forward to doing more. Fantastic. Thanks for that feedback. Um, I know we've enjoyed getting these things started. So, well, let's jump right into it. Um, so. For the, for the listeners right now that are maybe on the treadmill or sitting in traffic on the way home from work, um, and they can't picture the, the implant that is that, that you're talking about in your paper, uh, tell, tell everybody that's listening, what exactly is this thing and how is it different from an interpositional graft or the graft that's been used or described uh, to do the superior capsular reconstruction procedure? Uh, great and important points. Uh, this is a xenograft that's uh, reconstituted from uh, bovine Achilles tendons. It's highly porous and highly oriented. Um, it's uh, basically a sheet that's about uh, uh, two to three millimeters thick and uh, comes in two sizes um, uh, of a, a rectangular shape that's about uh, two and a half by uh, three centimeters. Uh, it's an onlay graft. So it goes on to the top of the uh, superior aspect of the rotator cuff, and it really has no inherent strength whatsoever. So it's not meant as a bridging or augmentation for uh, tissue repair, but rather as an inductive device to get new tendon-like tissue to form uh, on the surface of the rotator cuff, which con contrasts it significantly to interpositional grafts such as a human dermal allograft that would be used for, say, augmentation, bridging, or superior capsular reconstruction. Those grafts have significant inherent strength uh, that uh, help them span and take up tension. This graft is not meant to take up any tension, but rather just to induce healing. And so if this graft is put on the bursal side of the rotator cuff tendon, how do we think that it promotes or encourages healing at the enthesis. So that uh, important point too, and it, because as we all know, you know, rotator cuff disease is a disease of the enthesis, right? So this is a degenerative condition that starts with uh, tendonitis, fibrosis, delamination, partial thickness tearing, and then on to full thickness tearing, which is a disease of the organ of the attachment of the tendon site. So uh, it's very important to get this graft over that emphasis so that the healing takes place there. Now, we, we have some uh, uh, evidence from the sheep model that, that says that, you know, once this graft is applied and then the, uh, uh, bleeding occurs and blood vessels migrate through angiogenesis into the, uh, into the patch, and then uh, if you do sequential 
biopsies of these things at uh, uh, times post-op, you'll see a, a, a gradual uh, formation of organized tendon-like collagen tissue. We don't call it tendon tissue, we call it tendon-like tissue uh, that occurs both in the sheep model and it's also been replicated uh, by, in a study by Steve Arnosky with uh, biopsy studies in, uh, in humans also. So it's sort of a, a, what happens is the, the graft itself uh, you know, gets this uh, tissue to form, and then through some type of mechanism that we're not really uh, sure of, uh, promotes uh, healing throughout the entire rotator cuff, including the articular side. Um, uh, one of the uh, theories is is that by inducing new tendon tissue, you know, two millimeters more on the uh, bursal surface, there's some shielding that occurs in the biomechanics on the articular side, allowing for a more, uh, say, robust uh, healing milieu for even the articular side. But th this is all speculation. We really don't have a, a, a set idea. These are just a, a set reason. These are these are certain these are theories. I see. Well, I mean, given what we know and historically what's been stated in the literature as far as healing rates or retear rates, I should say, um, I uh, uh, my hat's off to you guys for for pushing the envelope and trying to explore this next space or frontier in in terms of trying to kickstart the biology of the environment there. Yeah, sure. I mean, we all know that it's the it's the biologic environment that is is a challenge and also the mechanics of healed tissue. I mean, just because we get this thing to heal, it, is that, does that recreate the anthesis? Not really, it's just a scarification. So we have a long way to go to try to recreate that organ that is the tendon attachment. I mean, I think that's where a lot of research is gonna be focused in the next decade, is trying to re, reconstitute that. Um, uh, so that's where I, you know that's where I think this this space is going to be very active, uh, especially in regards to grafting, and then sort of and not only grafting but also incorporation with other biologics uh, such as maybe PRP or bone marrow aspirate. Um, I think that's where the research is going to go. Can you summarize for our listeners what the main results of your of your study were? Yeah, so this is the first large study of this device. We had 15 centers across the United States. We enrolled 173 patients, 90 had partial thickness rotator cuff tears, and 83 had uh, full thickness tears. We followed them for one year at, at intervals uh, uh, of two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, uh, three months, uh, six months, and then one year. Uh, and we found that uh, our hypothesis was that, that they, these patients would do as well as traditional methods of repair, and then we were certainly, uh, that the, uh, the study bore that out in that uh, we had significant increase in uh, VAS, uh, ASES, WOMAC, uh, and VR12 scores. Uh, partial thickness patients uh, had a ASES at one year of, I think, 85, and the full thickness, uh, 83. Um, uh, I think 86% of the uh, patients reached a meaning, meaningful clinical important difference for ASES in the partial and 80, I think uh, it was 82 or something in the, uh, in the full thickness. So they did well, uh, you know, basically uh, similar to more traditional methods of, uh, 
of uh, approaching these problems. Uh, some of the things we noted that were interesting were that um, in the partial thickness group, the patients recovered uh, much sooner than uh, the traditional either takedown and repair or in situ repair. There's a significant amount of morbidity uh, associated with those types of uh, repair methods in regards to uh, stiffness and pain postoperatively. And uh, the patients with the patch did uh, much better when compared to other studies in the literature. Um, one of the things that we, we did here was to follow patients very early uh, to see what the value of the patch would be in the early postoperative period. And we found that patients got back to driving quicker. They get out of a sling quicker. They went back to work quicker and uh, went back to recreational uh, activities uh, quicker than than uh, uh, some of the published data that's available in the literature. We thought that was really interesting. and We thought that uh, demonstrated a considerable amount of the value of the of the device, especially in the in the uh, partial thickness group. In the full thickness group, the full thickness patients did just as well as you know published literature results for the traditional methods of repair, except for one group, which was the massive tears. The massive tears, we only had 12 of those, but they tended to do, they did a little better than the overall group. And we thought that was very interesting. We didn't really say too much about it in the paper because we, the statistics didn't uh, allow us to say anything, but if you if you do, if you look at a paper that recently came out by Buddy Savoy and one of his uh, guys in his group, uh, Steve Thawne, came out in a the uh, American Journal of Sports Medicine last month. They had 23 patients, uh, larger massive tears, for primary repairs. They had a 100% healing rate in the large tears, 100% healing rate in the massive tears. That's that's um, that's amazing when you consider some of the meta-analyses in the literature that can show a non-healing uh, or re-tear rate of up to 78%. Even the revision repairs, there were 89 and 86% for large and massive tears, respectively. So these are these are striking numbers. And this was a two-year study uh, and uh, was also incorporated with MRI or ultrasound. So I think if you're looking for the value of this device, it would be for partial thickness tears uh, to um, uh, speed up healing uh, and recovery rates, and two, massive tears, large and massive tears, to improve the healing environment and improve the rates of healing. And, and you guys mentioned it in the discussion limitations. You don't have a comparison group to do one-to-one, but when we're dealing with a new innovation or a new technology like this, the fact that that, that your group um, demonstrated that it was it was safe with a fairly, uh, I guess, benign side effect profile. I think that that's something that people that are new to this um, this type of technology or innovation are are probably very interested in. Is you know, question one, you know, it gets back to what we talk about. You know, when we take the Hippocratic oath, right? Do no harm. Um, and I think that your your study nicely lays out that this can be done safely. Right. I think we didn't, you know, the, the goal of the study was not to prove, uh, not to show uh, improved results here uh, or do a comparison. This was really just a safety and efficacy study uh, to, uh, to, to, to show the results of this device used by a number of surgeons over the whole country. Um, just in, in, in a widespread utilization. Uh, you know, so we really can't say a lot about comparing it. 
we did notice some things regarding how the patients did in comparison to how others have done in the literature with more traditional techniques, and we did make statements about that. But certainly, to come out and say that this is uh, will give you improved results, I think we need to wait for more comparative level three or higher studies to demonstrate that. And certainly, um, those, I believe, are in the works uh, um, uh, going forward. Certainly, we can take these results and match them to others for level three studies, uh, too. But, um, uh, you know, I think uh, you can say it's safe. You can say it's effective. I noticed a fair amount of the patients in this series had steroid injections postoperatively. Um, how often are you injecting patients with steroids postoperatively after your rotator cuff repairs? Uh, not too often. Now, we were really interested in that, too. I mean, in an effort to really kind of track uh, everything that was going on with the patient's Postoperatively, we tracked uh, any kind of interventions, including steroid injections. And what we found that it was a little bit biased. Uh, what occurred here is that 80% of the steroid injections were given by two centers who sort of used steroid injections more as a routine part of their postoperative um, treatment. So, for example, nine of the studies, or not nine of the centers didn't employ, including mine, didn't em employ any steroid injections. So I think it was more the at the discretion of the treating surgeon rather than um, uh, any specific indication. Uh, there, there is a very low incidence of um, a bursitis following this uh, procedure that can manifest itself at about the three-month mark. Um, uh, we didn't have any of those per se. Uh, but it, you know, it can come on as a, a painful shoulder that's swollen, and th those respond very well to steroid injections. But I think what we're seeing here is that the steroid injection issue is one of the preference of two of the the uh, uh, of the uh, doctors that were involved in the study. I see. So, kind of taking a step back and considering your results and what you've observed in your practice using this patch. What do you think is the ideal indication uh, for this um, technology currently? Uh, I think there are a few. Uh, one is in the, uh, the partial thickness rotator cuff patient who fails conservative care, uh, who is younger and who we're trying to maybe uh, affect the natural history of the disease process uh, with an induction of uh, new tendon tissue. So for all of my partial thickness tears, um, uh, at this point in time, I'm employing the patch. Um, now, uh, certainly we'll have to uh, learn more about whether these uh, separate out, whether the cable is intact or not here, but I think that's one uh, significant, uh, I think, valuable uh, indication is in the partial thickness tear patient. Uh, two, in, uh, in patients with uh, calcifying tendonitis, uh, especially those who, uh, after expression of the calcium, have deficits, especially on the bursal side of the, um, of the cuff, those patients are treated very well with, uh, the, device, with the bioinducted device. And I think lastly would be the large or massive cuff repair where, we're, where I have concern about the healing environment. And there I'm using the, the, uh, uh, the graft to try to induce healing uh, and basically using the results that we had 
plus those uh, that uh, came out of Tulane last month um, as evidence basis for that indication. I see. Well, Dr. McIntyre, again, uh, we, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to talk to me and, and educate our readers on, again, like we talked about earlier, I think is a really, really promising innovation um, and hopefully it's going to, is going to help us uh, address this issue that we continue to have with healing rates, especially amongst, you know, certain types of patients, whether they be smokers or diabetics or older folks. So thanks again for, for joining us. You're great. And, you know, anytime that we can uh, decrease morbidity for our patients and increase healing rates, uh, that has great value, not only for, uh, for patients, but also for treating surgeons. Very good. Well, thanks again. Um, to our listeners, uh, Dr. McIntyre's paper entitled Patient-Reported Outcomes After Use of a Bioabsorbable Collagen Implant to Treat Partial and Full-Thickness Rotator Cuff Tears was just published in the August edition of the Arthroscopy Journal and can currently be accessed at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Thank you all for joining us and have a good evening.